Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. That's me, Max Predos. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in to my little podcast. I'm trying to make it bigger. I need your help. So please subscribe, rate and review, and tell a friend. All of it makes a real huge difference. Coming up today, we all know about the Super League casting a long shadow over the soccer football world. I will discuss how it's not dead yet later on in stoppage time. Coming up in the business end, I'll be joined for the second time here on the Soccer OG with Keith Costigan. We will discuss the Super League. We'll also talk about the very competitive race in Spain with La Liga, four teams in it, and well, wax poetic about the incredible opening two weeks from Major League Soccer. We have a very fun show ahead. So, tune in. It's going to get started right now. The Soccer OG. Greetings, friends. It's me, Max. This is the Soccer OG. We like to get all the information out to you as soon as possible. So for Monday morning, we do it Sunday night. Actually, stop watching the Oscars to record. That wasn't so hard. It's uh, They need Ricky Gervais. I know he does the Golden Globes. We needed some laughter. I know a lot of people aren't in the, la- the laughing mood. I know in the soccer world, no one's in the laughing mood after what happened with the Super League. I was talking about it last week with Mauricio Pedroso. And I was preparing for it. I thought it was a done deal. Then 48 hours later, it's off the table. Now, later on stoppage time, I will tell you why I think it's not dead yet. And I'll explain into more detail about it. Keith Costigan will join me. Keith is joining me for the second time. So that puts him uh, in rarefied air here on the Soccer OG. Uh, We will talk about the the Super League. He supports one of the Super League teams in Liverpool. Isn't it funny? We like look at them like they're witches now. It's a Super League team. Off with their head. Everyone hates them. And we shouldn't hate them. It was like a lot of misplaced anger. and, uh, And even people were attacking players and managers had nothing to do with these decisions. But let's remember it's a business. This is a business and it's growing very fast. And with rapid growth comes all sorts of things, comes debt, uh, problems, you name it, competition issues. So we'll get into that as well. But it's not gonna be all doom and gloom. No, there's a lot to be happy about. As a card-carrying member of Major League Soccer, I was thrilled of these last two weekends. I could not have asked, well, you could always ask for more, but really, you could have asked for a lot less. Guys stepping up, young players, experienced players, big-name players, great goals, great team efforts, and they strike here while the rest of the soccer leagues weren't in full force. And the, the, honestly, imagine with the Super League, fans are looking for a departure. And why not set the eyes on Major League Soccer? And Major League Soccer, to me, had the best opening week. But I say that every year, and I truly believe it, not just because of the volume of teams and players, but there's you have a list and you cross things off about what you want to see. And it, a few years ago, it was, that list had two things on it. Yeah, I want to see David Beckham and maybe watch DC United play. Now you go, I want to see this stadium. I want to see this player. I want to see this matchup. I want to see, and we haven't even got to the the meat and potatoes, the rivalry games, which are going to be fantastic. So uh, a great start on that front. And how about La Liga? Four teams in it, and it's wide open with five rounds to go. So there is some compelling things, even under the clouds of the Super League, for us 
to delve into. And I want to get right into the conversation I had with Keith. He is fantastic. He's a breath of fresh air. And I will I would have him here more often than not onto this program. We certainly have him here. So for your listening pleasure, let's get started. Business end coming up for the Soccer OG with Keith Costigan. A reminder to please subscribe. It makes a huge difference and we appreciate appreciate the support i'm telling you this this pod's going places back here on the soccer og we have a two-time og uh the people wanted you back keith i fought them at, at, at every step but they were just too loud we want more keithy costigan and here you are congratulations you did it yeah, two-time OG sounds like I've, I'm a repeat offender rather than I've actually won something. So <laughs> that's the that's the tenor I kind of want to create with this podcast. I want us to be like troublemakers, you know, running from the law with our football knowledge. And we're, <laughs> we start fights, we break bottles and bars, and you know that kind of stuff. Oh, I'm all for that anytime. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was good to see you. I was at Bank of California Stadium. I I walked up on you. You were doing the Seattle Sounders broadcast. Uh, is that the first time back at a stadium, uh, an MLS stadium, in a bit? No, I did. I, oh, I was, you did the game last week. Yeah, I did, I did the Seattle game against Minnesota, but it, it was great to see you. Great to be in the stadium, but it was like no Ladero, no Morris, no Vela, no Rossi. So it was like great to be there, but without the stars, it just lacked a little bit. But good it to did. have fans there. The fans are great as well. It was, and we saw that in a, this weekend in a lot of sporting events. Fans are back. I was watching uh, UFC, the pay per view. And they probably shouldn't have done this, but they were in Jacksonville and the place was completely filled to the brim. And it was so weird. Uh, and it was loud. And then I saw some of the MLS games and Liga MX games. Yeah, it's been, pretty it's been full. Far. I mean, they're, they're getting there. Isn't it weird to hear, like, when, when you hear, like, it's a, it's a 50,000 stadium, there's there's 4,000 people in here, and you're like, it sounds pretty loud. Like, it, it's, it sounds pretty nuts. So it's it, it, it was at the right time because I was about – I mean, I love watching sports. I love watching soccer, obviously, but it was just at the edge with just watching empty stadiums. It, it, it's just it couldn't. It could it's nothing, right? It is, yeah, exactly. And at some point, you gotta have to introduce them. And we we're all for it. I was a, we were uh, in a, a booth up there next to you. Sitting next to me was in the next booth over a uh, little suite area. I do the little runs of the suites just to check in on everybody. And while I'm there, I'll grab like a donut or something. Uh, was Barbara Ferrer, who's the number one health official who, in Cal- if you're in California, you'll see her doing the reports with the governor about the status. Normally she's the bearer of bad news, but now she's some celebrity because you see her every day because now she's giving better news because the numbers are way down yeah, in yeah. California. You know, I could have got you a photo with her if you wanted. That would have been, a yeah, a I mean, safe distance photo. I, well, once you found cooler people, you never came back to me, I noticed, but no worries. <laughs> But uh, one guy uh, who was sitting there who, who uh, at the stadium, how, how was it? And he goes, I got to be honest, man. It's a, it was actually pretty nice because normally this lady sits behind me and she screams at everything and not having there. Cause I was always like, I'd cower because she'd be like, come on, Russell. And he goes, I got, I just got used to it and it wasn't there and I didn't miss it at all. So I want them all to be back. I want all the audio, but you know, some people are enjoying this, this 25% <laughs> capacity, if you will. <laughs> We will uh, we'll talk about MLS because uh, the game we did or the game we were at uh, was uh, pretty much the only non-exciting game. It was fantastic. So I want to get your thoughts on that. But the Super League, it's, uh, it's the, the hangover this week. I really felt it because of everything that happened when Monday, you know, a little bit of the fan in me went 
And then the games were kind of a little harder to get through. By the weekend, I was better in some games. I think some of the teams were affected. Uh, certainly, uh, Liverpool, certainly at the top of the list. Arsenal, uh, Juventus were kind of flat in some places. But the, whatever it was, did you sense that? I, I, I Just this week's been very heavy. Yeah, I, I thought, because Liverpool were first out right on Monday. And Klopp, Klopp was kind of shell-shocked, I think, by the fact that the fans were going to take the banners away. You know, the fact that Leeds players wore these, like, earn it on the field. And, and I mean, his, his opinion is of the same of, yeah, you do earn it on the field. But he was surprised they were going at the players, at, at, at the manager, rather than the owners who he felt had made a separate decision. But, you know, I love Jurgen Klopp. I'm a Liverpool fan, but I understood the reaction. I mean, it, it's like... You can't, this is an open, it's been an open system for so long and you can't all of a sudden say, okay, you know that dream you have, Champions League, Watford, yeah, you might never, go, you're never going to make it, we all know that, but now we're completely cutting it out forever. And it's like, wait a minute, you can't do that. We, we have to have the right to dream. And, and, you know, I'm proud of the fans that were included because it would have been easy to say, well, we're, we're covered, but they were the ones that were most vocal about this. Like, no, we still have to earn it. So it, it's, yeah, I, I think the players were shell-shocked. The managers were shell-shocked because um, they weren't a part of this decision-making process. And they, they're, the, they're the faces. They're the ones that have had to, to feel the, the vitriol from people, you know, coming after them, greedy, greedy bastards, whatever it might have been. It's, uh, it's been a wild week. And, and, and I'm glad to see it, it come to the conclusion that I had, which, which fan power having a little bit of uh, a say in the direction that we went. I felt I thought I think you make a great point. And I felt bad because people like the mob were coming out. Why aren't the players speaking up? I go, listen, the players are in this. They are they are here there to make uh they're there to play football. And yes, you'll have athletes who's come up and some co- coaches you mentioned Klopp, he's he spoke up, Pep Guardiola. It wasn't it wasn't stern kind of like we are just they it wasn't what the fans were saying by any means. And we saw the signs and and I, some of them went way beyond the pale. I think when they went to Old Trafford, there was one, we determine when you play. And I go, hold on a second. So uh, it was, I thought it was, the fans really stood up and they can be really proud about their reaction because they could have stayed home and done nothing. And I've never seen anything where it caused that. And I, uh, you see some of the people quickly see, we hear about the desire of the fans. We haven't seen them at the stadiums, but you could see they're invested as always, but a lot of people going to the players, why don't you speak up? And, I'm, and I, I think James Milner said something and I was like, lit. it's okay if they don't, they don't know what's going on. This is all happening very quickly. They're preparing for a game on Monday or Wednesday. And then the whole, the whole world's been turned upside down, or maybe they're preparing for a champions league game this week. It's, I thought it was a little bit unfair. Now, if the players do step up and say it uh, more power to them, but to, to, to put that on them, uh, in a situation where it's so where it happens so quickly, I thought that was a little unfair. Yeah, it, it's like you know, hey, you seen this headline? Amazon doesn't pay taxes. John, you work for an Amazon plant. What's your deal? What's going on? Like, it's like, dude, I work for the company. I don't make the, you know. So I, I feel like I, I feel the way the owners did it. And there's been a lot of talk as well about you know American owners. We have a system over here that is a closed system. MLS is a closed shop, as is NFL, as is NBA. I feel whatever way you start, it's difficult to go a different route. So they, that's their systems. So to all of a sudden say to MLS, you're going to be an open system now, that would be difficult. It would cause, you know, ripple effect to the MLS owners. We didn't sign up for this. And I, I think my biggest issue, my biggest gripe was 
these big 12 clubs selling it like this is for football. It's we're going to we're going to give solidarity payments. I'm like, it's not. It's for your clubs. Let just be honest about it. Be honest about what you're trying to do, which is you're the biggest draw in football. You know that you're trying to basically, you know, encapsulate yourself. So you're all playing each other. So all proceeds go to you. The idea that they were doing it for the good of all of football is is absolutely ridiculous. Well, I, look, I'm a couple of things we'll touch on. I'm, I, I have a segment after we part ways called stoppage time. And I'm going to talk about how I believe this, the super league is not dead. At least this no, format, I, maybe. I agree. And I think they're going to have a say because there's a lot of money being lost and there's greed in all, all ways, shapes or form. Uh, and there is a lot of issues with the game uh, with regards to competitiveness I mean, we, we talk about some of these smaller clubs, but as you said, Watford's not going to the Champions League, but Watford's never going to win the Premier League. I mean, we had that Leicester situation, but these things aren't, they're not built for competition. So I think there's a lot of things that need to be done where we can hopefully bring people to the table and agree on some things. Uh, I'm a big, I, look, I tune in for the big clubs. I want to see them play. I mean, and I joked around Tottenham, Hotspur and Arsenal, but they, as bad as Tottenham look when they play, they still draw better than uh, Porto or whomever else in the Premier League, uh, Southampton. So uh, there's a there's an aura about them and the marketing and the branding part as well. So I do want to see those teams, but I think there's a way to do it. There's a major disconnect. And the owners in particular and the presidents, I mean, they're really getting, they were getting destroyed. And I read articles where I'm like, wow, what, what they say about, and, and these guys brought it upon themselves, the Agnellis and Florentino Perez. Uh, Joan Laporta kind of didn't get hit head on with it, but I mean, he, I mean, Barcelona still are with Real Madrid and I th- believe Juventus still holding up sure. with regards to that. And they are, you know, they're still planning on doing something uh, in a different form. The American owners that you brought up, uh, American ownership all together has been slammed. And I got to be honest, American ownership in soccer has been a bit dicey. Uh, I can understand Manchester United fans, uh, disdain towards the Glazers, even though Manchester United, the product is much better. And I, w- I think they're going to be a very active club in the market. So they will I, make these fans whole. Stan Kroenke, the thing, with, the thing about him is he's so mysterious and he's doing all this. You never see him. And that's yeah. fine. I mean, John Henry of the Liverpool group, he's more visible. He's more attainable. But there's something about, you know, Stan Kroenke where you see a photo and if you saw him in person, it's like you're seeing, you know, a UFO. Whoa, it's Stan Kroenke. <laughs> and this is one of the most powerful men in the world. But American ownership took a big hit. And there's a lot of good owners there. But and I, I looked at it a little bit closer and we, we talk about the guys at the top. And then like Frank McCourt owns Marseille and they are they, I mean, yeah, Mar- they're they just awesome. it's not doing going well. There was an article in The Athletic, which was pretty detailing. I think they're doing a little better as a club, but it's a mess. Uh, there's another uh, uh, American owner. Bordeaux, right? Bordeaux, yes. We're kind of in there. So uh, maybe they're the bad owners. I mean, owners, look, it, to say about greed, uh, these are businesses and uh, the what they do and benefit helps a lot of people within those companies. Uh, it, there it, is, it, does, it does, but I, I agree. And I mean, to, to tie a ball on my thoughts on it, it's like you can't say it's not going to affect your 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 yeah. your league like Syria Premier League because I watch a lot of American sports. I love basketball. I'm a big basketball fan. And then towards the end of a the season, you'll see a team. Well, we're not going to do well. Let's 
throw in the towel, and the last 20 games of the season are nothing. They lose every one. So if you're Liverpool and you're in eighth place, you know, or they're in seventh or seventh or sixth right now, trying to get top four, what's the what's the worry? You're in you're in Super League next year. Who cares? You know, they could say, yeah, you know what? We don't really care. We're going to. And for me, that's not competition. It's like West Ham are ahead of us in the table. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're not getting Super League. So for me, you can have a Super League, but it still has to encompass the fact that you qualify every year through your local, your, your, your individual league. And, and do you whittle that down to, you know, the majority of English, Spanish, Italian, you know, French, th- those kind of big leagues? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with something like that. But you can say, you know, you're in forever. That's that's unfair because it doesn't promote excellence. It, it All it does is promote financial excellence for these big clubs. And I, I've sat with John Henry. I've, I've, I've been around him. He's a, a really good guy. The Liverpool CEO as well, Billy Hogan, really good guy. They're trying to maximize profits. I get that. But but this, for me, is is not the way for all of football. And, and I think we have to think of all of football. Have you ever sat down with Stan Kroenke? I, you know, I, I didn't, now that you said that, I'm like, Maybe I have. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, like Philip Philip Anschutz, and I have the highest respect for him because I, I work with Major League Soccer, and without his funding for the league, uh, the the Major League Soccer would not have survived. Uh, I'm reading, you know, I always read these books about the early years of Major League Soccer, and there was a couple of years ago where it was about to go belly up, and because yeah, he yeah. he was losing money. But he's another one that I saw him once. I was like, Philip Anschutz. Oh my god. It's Philip Anschutz. So you'd see this guys in the, in, and uh, I guess it'd be very, it's, it's important to be see It's not secretive, but very private. And, uh, but it's, it's very interesting to see that, I mean, there, there was like a, there was like a magazine, like a FIFA cover, a video game that replaced the players with the owners and then like the, the trading cards with the owners on it. And I go, it's kind of getting to that. We all know these names, all these presidents and owners are coming, becoming big stars, whether they like it or not. But uh... I, I, I did speak to one owner before and he said it to me, particularly about the English press. He said, whatever you say, they will find a way to make it controversial. Oh, I believe it. Bad. And it, it, the best thing is just to not say anything because it's going to be misconstrued. <laughs> you know, you'll say, yeah, you know, we love England. We love the Premier League. We, we wish that, you know, and then the headline the next day would, they want more from the Premier League, like whatever. So it's just like, man, if my words are going to be, manip- the English press are, aren't the easiest to deal with. So sometimes you're better off not saying, Roman Abramovich is the, is the, the classic case. He's, when have you ever heard Roman Abramovich talk? Again, again. yeah. yeah. I will talk about why I think there's a Super League in the future for all those people I know they're going to hate. I hate me saying that, but that's coming up. Keith, you can tune into the podcast and listen to it, of course, (laughs) if you have a little extra time. But let's get into the games. Uh, We'll start with the teams that were in the Super League. Manchester City winning the Carabao. Have you ever had a Carabao? Is it like an energy drink? Yeah, I I was talking to a friend of mine who's a Tottenham fan in London today, and I have. They have it in the Chelsea uh, press press room at Stamford Bridge. And I went, you know what? I'm going to try it. And uh, yeah, so let's move on. I've never heard of it, but now I have. So that's good marketing. And yeah. it's part of this competition, a major trophy, which I, I am a little reluctant to say that, but Manchester City have won their fourth straight. And um, it's now we look at this Man City. I, I want to bring up one thing. And I'm always in the corner of the American players. If you watch the soccer OG on YouTube, just check it out under Max Bredos. I sing the praises and I brought up something and I tweeted about Zach Steffen. 
And I was a little concerned because he's not getting a regular playing time at Manchester City. And people would say, well, uh, at least he's training there. And that would supersede playing anywhere else, like in Major League Soccer. And I go, wait a minute. I'm not buying that for a minute. I know those trainings are great, but I've seen a lot of trainings and they're not games by any means. Uh, you could argue that I'll let you get, give your two cents, but I'm, I'm a little worried about our goalkeeper situation. Zach Steffen got a trophy and everyone's going, congratulations. And I want to congratulate. That's a wonderful achievement. But we, we know that expected goals, uh, that new stat all over, and it looks at the goal scoring opportunities and breaks them down. He had an XG as they like to abbreviate it, at 0.04. That means he faced really nothing of <laughs> circumstance. He's sitting there kind of reading a book between the posts. And I go, I don't know if this is preparing him for the very busy, high-pressure stretch coming up here at the back end of the year when World Cup qualifying starts. We don't have – he's going to be the number one. I would like to still see competition. I don't think we're having that competition. But – if we're if he is the number one, he's got to find a different club, and he's and preferably a club that's going to face a lot of shots that has a leaky defense. The leakier, the better, Keith. <laughs> yeah, no, look, um, I know Man City has a really competitive environment, but I think a lot of the people that say, "Oh, you're just you're at a big club, so that's automatically means you develop more." Well, I don't think they've ever been around a big club in my life or being in. Why do why do the top young players? not develop at Chelsea and develop somewhere else and end up leaving Chelsea and not signing for anybody and, and not turning pro. So I'm, I'm concerned about the, the, the game time. I am. I, I think at his age, someone who was a starter and now is becoming a, a non-starter. Yeah, I think, I think game, game sharpness is, is a real thing. Um, doing it for a year, I'm okay with. But beyond that, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned. I would like him to say, I'm a keeper who needs to get games, uh, especially going into World Cup here as well, right? So, you know, that's that's important. So, great for him to win a title. I think now that he's been in an environment that demands excellence every day, you know that's what Pep wants. That's great. But that is now, great. Yeah, now carry that on and, and go somewhere and play. As for Manchester City, uh, they have a big game. We'll talk about the Champions League coming up here shortly. Tuesday, Real Madrid, Chelsea. Wednesday, PSG, Manchester City. Pep gets his 30th title, in, uh, which is an incredible stat to report. And four straight Carabao Cups, regardless of how you hold it, is pretty impressive. Before I go ahead, I've, I've been watching these Wembley dates, and we all fall in love with Wembley. And there were actually fans there, 7,700 fans for the final here on Sunday. There's just been something lacking. The semifinals of the FA Cup. I don't know what's going on in that. Am I am I inventing? Stuff? Is am I imagining this? It's no, just no, not. I think, I think even when we had fans the last few times, if it felt more corporate because the cameras are situated right at that corporate uh, setting. So you come back after halftime and they're all still in getting sandwiches and tea and champagne or whatever it is. So it looks, wait a minute, this is like the semifinal. Where's everybody? So it, it's just the way it's situated. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think that's something they need to revisit. But yeah, I think we're at the stage now. It, it's, it's such a vast stadium. It, it's even worse when there's no fans in it mm. or, or, or less fans in it. I, I'm still, look, when I go home, I walk up to Wembley and I'm like, I'm still in awe of this place, of this stadium, of what it means to football. Um, but on the on the big game days, I don't think the atmosphere now is what it once was, and they have to figure a way out of, of getting that back as well. But 7,700, I actually thought that the atmosphere wasn't bad for you know for the final, considering we've been you know listening to 
fake, fake uh, crowds for a couple of months now. That's a fair point. It, I actually got to go to a, an FA Cup semifinal before the pandemic. I was in London, 2019, April, and reached out to Simon Green at BT Sport. He used to be yeah, at yeah, Fox yeah. Soccer. Yeah. And I go, can you go? And he rolled out the red carpet. And I was that guy eating sandwiches and drinking beers and, and <laughs> coffee and missing the first 10 minutes of the second half. I felt like a buffoon. But, I, you know, it, it was a wonderful experience. By the way, uh, a little bit off topic, but it was thrilling to be there for an FA Cup, which I haven't really seen. I've seen some games over there, but not that week when you see all four clubs and their fans all over the city. It's pretty yeah, special yeah. and cool. So I look forward to seeing all of that moving forward. And I'm glad the Carabao Cup is behind us because we can get to the meat and potatoes here. Semifinals of the Champions League, which has been intertwined in everything that's happened with the Super League going on. And now UEFA has its, its two big games. I'm looking forward to these two. Manchester City, though, I think they're in big trouble here because if we saw that against Dortmund and the counterattack with those kind of attacking players caused them problems, PSG is the best counterattacking team on the planet. Maybe the best counterattacking team I've seen in a few years because of the guys they have. And now they have a healthy Neymar and Mbappe uh, flying forward. I think, I, I think PSG, this is, they get by Manchester City because of everything falling into place, their last quarterfinal, they didn't have Verratti, who could be argued their most important player. All those pieces coming together, I, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, I, I don't remember a game over the last three years where PSG have, have considered it a must-win and Verratti's actually been available. Every time it comes to a big game, it's like, well, you know, Verratti's suspended. Well, you so know, Verratti's... He's a bit glassy. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't remember. He's like Stan Kroenke. I don't remember the last time I saw him. Um, but... I think you you touched on a point. The one the one kryptonite for Man City, I think, is the ability to counter quickly and be direct with your counter. And in Neymar and Mbappe, PSG have two of the top five players in the world for me um, when they're on form. Neymar has looked incredible. I thought he was sensational in the last round. Um, Mbappe, hopefully, he's fit. I know he picked up a knock. But I think, I think Pochettino, look, he has history. He, he knocked out Pep before with a, a Tottenham side, um, albeit with a little bit of, of luck and a little bit of VAR at the end as well. But I, I still, I almost look at Pep and think, he said, I've won the league before. Can I win it without a forward? I don't know. Let me try that. And he's just like, this system is like, yeah, you're still going to win the league because other teams around you haven't done as well. But against a cutthroat team like PSG, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I still give the slight edge Man City, I think if they play Laporte and Diaz together defensively, they still are good. But um, the, the lack of goals from them is going to be a concern. And you cannot, you cannot give those chances to uh, an Mbappe or Neymar or they will punish you. In the quarterfinal and the Carabao Cup, they look great and they're dominant, but they, they labored to get the goals. But that seems to be the case. They're always going to be an attacking threat but they've got to make sure they take advantage of these opportunities. PSG defensively has been pretty stout. Kaylor Navas has been tremendous. And I agree with you about Neymar. It was such a good moment for him because we're talking obviously about the next generation of players and Bappe and Holland, who is going to be the next great one. And, you know, Neymar is still a young player. I mean, he's still, he, you could say maybe that his best year is ahead of him. It's the windows closing. Obviously, he's not that young, but it was a good uh, it was a good reminder that he has plenty left. Injuries have been a big concern, but it was good to see them coming through as a talent. And this is his moment. They almost pulled it off a year ago. They got to the final. This is their moment. It's obviously not going to be easy, but I, I kind of tend to think that the 
The pieces are falling in place. Healthy Verratti or not? We shall see. <laughs> Second semifinal, uh, Real Madrid hasn't kicked it into a high gear yet. It always feels like they're, they're in third gear, but they're getting results. The young players are starting to come around. Uh, Vinicius Jr. at the top of that list. Valverde, I think, has got some, some injury concerns, but he's another one. Uh, Rodrigo ha- hasn't really got the Vinicius level, but those young players, I've seen that growth. This is Real Madrid. Zinedine Zidane, who, by the way, posted something on social media where he was all in purple reading. I, I think it, yeah. I, Was that for <laughs> Prince? It had to be, right? Because the, the anniversary of Prince's death, so maybe it, he looked great. Uh, and I love to see the, the managers and people like that with their guard down a little bit. And social media certainly allows that. Uh, Real Madrid are the specialists here. They're going to be real busy. We're going to talk about the Spanish league and how tight that is. So they have to be not focused, but they have to keep an eye on what's going on there. Could be a little bit dangerous. Chelsea have been so impressive. They look with Thomas Tuchel like the way they play. This is perfect for the Champions League. This is how you navigate through it. I think they, I'd like Real Madrid to get through, but I think it's going to be harrowing for them. It's going to be close. It's going to be testy, and Chelsea probably going to be there. Once they play 180 minutes, second leg will be at Stamford Bridge. Maybe they could be in a position to, to reach a final in, in shocking manner, really, as poor as this team looked just a couple months ago. Yeah, I, I, look at, um, I look at Real Madrid. I was looking, and they've scored less goals, I think, than Atleti in La Liga. And it's like, wow, Atleti, you think of, like, a Diego Simeone side. Yes, I don't think they're as defensive this year as they have been, but... But I don't see this Real Madrid side being prolific. I thought Liverpool really played into their hands with the high defensive line and Vinicius getting in behind and threw that game away. Um, I can see this one being a real... A, a, I, don't, I don't want to call it boring, but... A real oh, it's going to be. Yes. Yeah, like you, you've seen Chelsea. They don't look like they're going to score many goals either. So one of those nil-nil, you know, where it's really on a knife edge. And those kind of games, I always kind of give the edge to the side that have been there before that have the bit of experience. And for that alone, I'm going to go at Real Madrid. But if, if, if uh, Chelsea, excuse me, get the first goal in this tie, I think it's going to be really difficult for Real Madrid. And they'll be capable. We'll see if Christian Pulisic gets in there. I tend to think he might. I thought he played okay this weekend. He was involved in the Chelsea 1-0 victory over West Ham. He was involved in the goal. He nutmegged a couple guys. But it wasn't the best performance he has had over the last few weeks. But I hope he features. I hope he starts because this is going to be a, for the same reasons we talk about Zach Steffen not getting that playing time. From an American perspective, regardless of how much he plays, this is huge for Christian Pulisic. He is playing in the semifinals of the Champions League. He could possibly play in the final. And I think worst case scenario, he'll play 30 minutes in this game. But I'm with you. I think it's going to be, it's not going to be nice on the eyes. And by, by the way, this would have been a super league fixture. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nil, nil. I don't want to watch that. But, but you know, the fact that you mentioned Pulisic and I think Tuchel is kind of, he's kind of rotated that front line a little bit. It's like, Hey, everything's open. I'm going to look at everybody, almost everybody except Tammy Abraham, who's just completely on the outside. But I would, I could make a case for Pulisic that he's done as much, if not more than anybody else in his time. Then, like you know, Werner, Werner hasn't been prolific. He hasn't looked, you know, fully confident in himself. So I, you know, but there, there's sen- there, there senses to be a little bit more belief from Tuchel in Werner. This player is going to be a part of our puzzle. 
And it's more of a, you still have to convince me to Pulisic. But I thought last season he did that to Lampard, forced his way in. So I, th- I think I think Pulisic has a stronger mentality than, you know, not that we, we than don't. Than Timo Werner? Yeah, I, I just 100%. Think 100%. Yeah, I think he's been here before. So I, I think he's going to play a major part in this tight. Whether he starts or comes off the bench, he's going to play a major part. Yeah, Timo Werner, you can see the confidence is hitting him. And I think... If I was Thomas Tuchel, I would I would start Christian Pulisic. Not to say that it's either or. Maybe they both are in the eleven, or maybe they're not, neither is in there. But I think Timo Werner. He had a couple looks this week, which I thought he he didn't even get a shot on goal. He did score, but there was a couple other opportunities that he kind of faded out, and his runs were a, a little bit dicey. And to your point, Christian Pulisic has delivered. I want to touch on something you said that he kind of earned his spot with Lampard and he's had to do it again with Tuchel. Is that, and I've argued with people about this. Like, why does he have to keep proving himself right from the bottom? He's never got the nod from either of those managers to be the guy who gets written to the 11. He had to basically prove himself. Do you think that's what's going on? Yeah. And I I mean, look, it's difficult, but I also think that kind of uh, environment Bills the very very top players. I, I I mean Christian for me is is top level. The, the end the way he ended the Premier League last year, he was electric. He was one of the, the the best players in the league over the last eight or nine games. The injuries didn't help him at the start of this season. And then when, when you're at a club like Chelsea, um, when you bring in Havertz for a lot of money, you bring in Werner for a lot of money. You have Mason Mount who is a top class player. He really is, and he's always going to play. Um, so it's difficult because you're at the very best club. But I love the fact that Pulisic is like, I know I am and I will prove myself. And look, he's still a young player. Um, manager changeover is difficult for anybody. He has to buy this time sometimes. But when he comes in, he has to keep doing what he's doing, which is delivering. I'm not worried long term for Christian Pulisic. I think he'll be uh, he'll be a star. So your final, I'm going Real Madrid PSG. Your, was it Real Man City? No real Man City, yeah. Just, just. Um, but I think I think PSG, I think Mbappe and Neymar are in form. I think those two are, you know, wow, they're exciting to watch. And the Champions League gets very fortunate with these big four clubs. They're going to go at it. A good run by the Premier League after they had a rough tournament a year ago to get these two teams in the semifinals. And maybe it's an old English final. I wouldn't bet against it. I'll tell you that much. We'll look- <laughs> you wouldn't want to watch it as much, though, would you? <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that. Chelsea, Man City, no. Better than better than Man City, Spurs, or Spurs, anyone, quite frankly. Well, I, I was I was a Liverpool Spurs might have been the worst final in the last decade. Not for me because Liverpool won, and I went and partied with everybody afterwards. But yeah, Man City, Man City, Chelsea. It doesn't it doesn't really strike to you as well. Champions League final, Istanbul. Now nah, you you want you want a mix. You want a mix of maybe an eight, one English team or. Yeah, we've had we've had those all English or all Spanish finals or what, all whatever, and then or one the, the all Italian final was at Juventus, Milan, I think. A while. Oh boy, that was a rascal. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I do, we don't want that because there's familiarity. I knew last year that 2019 final was going to be bad because the semifinals were so amazing, and when you had that Spurs get by Ajax, and then obviously the Liverpool Barcelona for the ages. I was there. Like, I was there. <laughs> oh. Yeah, oh, I yeah. You must have known that the final was going to stink at that point because the had, semis were had, too good. In my hotel real quick, I asked, did anybody, uh, are you full tonight? And, and the girl said, we had two cancellations 
from Norway, fan clubs who said, no, we're not going to come. It's over. <laughs> so, and you got to slip right in and get a lodging. Yeah, that was like, wow. So yeah, what a night. What a night. Good for you. I'm happy. You know, I'm happy for you. I, I know we've, we speak, we've spoken so much about your, uh, your fandom there. And uh, while your, your club has made things very difficult on my club in the past, I'm happy to see a good guy like you, Keith, uh, enjoy that moment. And guys like Steve Nickel. Steve, good for him. Oh, what a great guy, man. Yeah. I want to talk now about the La Liga race. Have you watched? I mean, I've been watching this show in Spain. I, I just watched clips of it. It's called El Chiringuito de Jugones, and they were all over. They had Florencio Perez on talking oh, to Super League. Well, you saw the interview, yeah. Yeah, and there's like a bunch of guys in a room all seated in different spots, and they just have little takes. And they're all, most of them are in their 50s and 60s. And they get really hot and heavy into it. And I just enjoy it. I like that format. It's very easy. <laughs> but it's like they're way over dramatic, And they argue and they argue. They argue about the most minimal thing. And I just love it, you know. Well, what, what jersey should Real Madrid wear? Should they wear the whites? Oh, no, they should wear the blue one. And it's that kind of <laughs> stuff. So I'm like, bring it on. I love petty. I really do. So they were shifting and they were talking about La Liga, so Atletico lost, and now Barcelona, they have a game on Thursday against Granada, who's a good team. Yeah. That's at home, though. If Barcelona win that, they'll go into first place. As it stands now, four teams are separated by, like, two points between so Atletico, have- Barcelona, Real Madrid, Sevilla. Sevilla's been the story. They won again, and they are, they are the informed side right now, and they are healthy. So I was watching that show and a lot of the guys were saying, I think Sevilla is going to win. And I'm like, what? It's crazy. They did a poll and 55% of people said Barcelona was going to win it. So I've broken out the schedule and I want to get your thoughts on this. Barcelona has the most favorable schedule and they have a game in hand and they're not involved in any European play. Uh, Real Madrid is Barcelona have Granada. Then they have at Valencia, who's not very good this year. Then in this is that's match day 34. So there's 38 rounds. Match day 35, Barcelona plays Atletico. Real Madrid plays Sevilla. So all four are there. I know people are saying that's going to be key. I disagree. I think Barcelona could maybe not get a result against Atletico. If they take care of business against their other four teams, they're going to win it in my estimation. Week 36, they play Levante, who I think is in 17th. Week 37, Barcelona at home to Celta, who are ninth. Barcelona end the season against Ibar, who are last and already going to be relegated. No one really plays outside of round 35 against each other, but Real Madrid plays teams that are – too many numbers here. Real Madrid 11th, 8th, 10th, and 7th. So they have the hardest – when you just look at the positions of the team, and you can't look too much into it because some teams have more to play for. I think all these teams are going to be keen on spoiling it for someone, I would imagine, because they're all. it's going to really it's going to be an incredible run. And I think it's going to be tight, at least to the second to last round, if not the final round. I'm voting with the people. Barcelona, I think because of the schedule, get through, which is amazing because how dysfunctional they were two months ago. Remember that exchange between Gerald Piquet and Griezmann in the Champions League when they're getting the doors blown off of them against PSG in that first leg. It was like, this team is in complete crisis. And now they are in a position, the best position in my eyes to win it. I think Sevilla might be in the second best position because of the way they are playing and a favorable schedule. 
the best team they play is seventh, and then they play teams in 10th, 14th, and 16th. I know. So I hope I gave enough data so you can make a decision. I think it may be a little too much data, but this is this is shaping up to be Barcelona. They've been pretty consistent, and now Griezmann is scoring. So if they stay healthy, they have options. Dembele, the kids are coming in from time to time. This And this, I think, I give Barcelona a lot of grief. But if they were able to pull this off, this they need all the plaudits. They need all the accolades. Can you can you go through everybody's schedule again? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd actually looked at the schedules too, and and um, I mean the one the one X factor again for Real Madrid. There's games there where if it is tight, I'm like, who is gonna who's gonna get them over the finish line? And I still, you know, those were the games Ronaldo would show up and he'd be like, it's 85th minute, Ronaldo's just scored, Real are gonna win. Um, I think Messi's going to be that. Obviously, with Messi, he can just conjure up those moments where Barca can play badly and still win games. And yeah, I, I think you mentioned the moment with PK and Griezmann. I like confrontation. I like to see you know um, that kind of atmosphere because I think sometimes when you bring that to the fore and you you put it out there, you're you're all better moving forward for it rather than it's it's under the ground, it's underhanded, and you know, oh, we're trying to keep everybody happy. Uh, Ronald Koeman doesn't strike me as the kind of coach who's afraid to go at people and tell them exactly what he feels. So I, I think I think Barca, Sevilla look would be the, the 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 kind of Cinderella story with you know the manager going and 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 lifting the title after what he's been through as well. But but ultimately I I can't see beyond Barca, and I do think they get a result against Atleti too. I think Atleti's form. Since they they looked like they were going to run away with it has been has been pretty dreadful and I don't see that improving. That PK situation for me was the best thing to come out of an empty stadium because we would have missed it if there were fans sure. there. Yeah, but we heard every word and it was compelling beyond belief to see yeah. this meltdown before you. It was so it was riveting. It was it was better than anything that's being nominated in the Oscars. And we're recording this while the Oscars are going on. I was I I, I was like I have not seen any of these movies, so I don't want to get sidetracked, but. It was, uh, this is, this is much more enjoyable, Keith, to be here with Just you. Just to clarify, PK was not up for an Oscar for his performance. <laughs> so, you know. If I was voting, I would have given him the Oscar for most <laughs> dramatic performance and best use of profanity, uh, which was very good as well. Atletico, they were playing Athletic Bilbao, and I don't want to go through the schedule again, but I think Athletic Bilbao, <laughs> Athletic Bilbao are involved against two other teams. I think they're Real and Sevilla they get games with. So they're going to play a big role and you don't want any part of them. They're going to, they already messed it up for Atletico. You, you made a great point. You said like these teams and, and you, you point out their league positions, but if you're mid table, the only thing you have left to play for now is to ruin someone else's dreams. And you know, the whole world is watching every one of Barca and Real's games. You're like, Hey, I'm going to take center stage today. So that's the one thing with Sevilla maybe going under the radar for Barca and, and Real, they, they, they meet everybody's best every week. Everybody gets up for that game, even more so when you think that you may deny uh, a team the opportunity. I just hope it goes down to the final day with at least, at least two, hopefully three teams with the chance to winning this title because that would be just incredible viewing. But I, I, do, think, I do think Messi's going to be the one that gets it over the finish line for Barca. I think so, and I think it's going to be Messi and, and company, which will do the job. This is great for the Spanish league because we know every year Real Madrid, Barca, Atletico has been there. But now the Sevilla story and this goes against the the Super League concept, which they say, which the same team is winning all the time. And it yeah. usually yeah. is. But this, you know, I think people 
that are anti-Super League have to go to Sevilla and buy them a beer when they come into a bar because they are proving <laughs> why <Yeah>. it's important <laughs> to have these league races. Elche are in 17th place. They play at home to Atletico. And I think that's a team, for instance, that could has everything to play for. Now you add the spoiler role. They could just ruin it for Atletico. And they're desperate. They need a result. They get a result there. They may be safe. Yeah. And that's uh, it's you. So it's very compelling. As is the French League. Have you Unbelievable. Seen? Unbelievable. Yeah. It's uh, Lil 73. And they have four games left. PSG's got 72. Monaco 71. Lyon has 67. Lil has been, Lil has been great. What a breath of fresh air. And I think they're going to win it. They just look like a team that have intent and are going to want to be there at the finishing line. They well, have this- they, was, it, was it Leon they beat today or was it yesterday? That was a game where you're like, okay, that's a potential slip up there. You know, you've, you've done well. Botman at the back and, and bringing in Font and all of those kind of things. And then, well, to beat Leon and basically put Leon out of it and, and then keep the lead over PSG. This is another league that needs another champion. You know, Bundesliga, we've had Bayern for an awfully long time. Um, in, in France, it's just been PSG, PSG, PSG. But I, I mean, impressed with Lille, impressed with the job Monaco have done as well this season. So, yeah, it, it, it's been incredible. And, and Lille, I, I, think, I think everybody's rooting for them now because they've, they've held on to that position to just get it over the line. And yeah, today was a big test. Like this weekend was a big test and they passed it. And they beat PSG last month. So everything... Yep. Everything that's been asked of them, they've done it. So I hope they can finish the job. They'll have to They'll have to do it against teams that they're expected to win, and that's always a bit hairy. But we shall see. We're going to get a new champion in Italy, too. Inter are just about there. So all this is, you know, this is compelling. This is, you got to put, as we say, an asterisk this year because of all the things that have happened. But, you know, to do this over 38 rounds is a really good reflection of these clubs. So uh, this is, these races have been very good. We don't have it in Germany. We don't have it in Italy, really. We don't have it in England, but we have it in these countries as well. And you know what else we have, Keith? As you're abundantly aware, we have Major League Soccer back. Yes. Two weeks. And there were there were years I've covered this league for longer than I care to mention, as I always say. And you have too. And we love it. And we bring it there. But it's it's a very personal thing because it's, it's our league and we're always – my days at ESPN and I was like, what can we do to get people to watch? And I go, I don't know if people are going to watch this. And the numbers come back and they were always discouraging. And it made it feel like we're still 20, 30 years away from getting on the map here. And seasons would begin and no one would know about it. And they would be at half empty, three quarter empty stadiums. It was a long time ago. So we've worked on the stadiums. We have that ruling class, so to speak, which we need. The teams like now LAFC, obviously the Seattle Sounders, who I'd put at the top of that list, Toronto, uh, names uh, like the LA Galaxy that you would tune into. And then the star players that they brought in. And we pointed out, we saw LAFC Seattle, and it was a bit of a doozy. Everywhere else, talking points are plenty. I want to get into that, but overall, I know the games were on the networks last year, uh, last week, Fox and ABC, and the numbers were great. You know, half a million viewers, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot, but that's more than this league is accustomed to. And that's positive growth. And then from week one to week two, so many compelling storylines. Obviously, Chicharito at the top gets a hat trick for the Galaxy. And now, by the way, way, in a fixture, I have to say, because you mentioned covering the league for so long, Red Bulls, LA Galaxy, always brings me back to the Red Bull LA Galaxy. I mean, I mean, for me, I thought it was, 
I don't know where it ranks for you and the games that you've called, but the atmosphere that night, I thought you captured it. It was, it was the Beckham. It was the game that I know Beckham was there for a while, but that it was, was five four. Yeah, and it, I think it was Juan Pablo and Hell. Yes, and, and Beckham and you, Josie I mean, Altador. Yeah, we lived those moments for you. It was electric. So th- that game, I can still get the hairs on the back of my neck stand up thinking about it. I thought it was like the night where I was like, holy, this is this is it. Like, you know, we're 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 going in the right direction. It was electric and you you were you were one of the stars that night too. I was better than the teams, quite frankly, I would say. <laughs> I appreciate I you saying it. that. And I guess what? It. I was watching the Fox broadcast. And if I was them, I would have I didn't even think about that. I would have come in first 10 minutes just with a re-air of that game. Oh, unbelievable game. Oh, my God. It was. It was at uh, Meadowlands, the yep. old giant stadium, and Beckham was in the league. The place was, was full. The, was the forward that played for the Galaxy? He just signed. He was like a Central American. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, Carlo, uh, Pavon. Carlos Pavon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who yeah, works yeah, at yeah. Univision now. Oh, he does? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he was... He was good in that game. He was good because I would go to training for the Galaxy the week prior and he was he would hit balls and miss everything. It would go over the goal, and I'm sitting there, and I go, someone's like, Pavon's all over the place. And they go, wow. And then this ball goes sailing over the, the crossbar and into the parking lot and hits my car and leaves a dent. I'm like, God, <laughs> Pavon, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> he didn't miss much that night. Yeah, he didn't miss, but that was, a, that was a wonderful thing to be part of, and it was a good growth part of the league, but still it was, it was niche, but it feels like in the fabric, the broadcast partners are going a long way, but these star players, they may fade. Chicharito might not score another goal for a, a few weeks, but it looks like he has it in him. Gustavo, I mean, uh, Gonzalo Higuain, who still looks way out of shape, scoring a goal for Miami as they beat Philadelphia. Ezequiel Barco scoring one of the goals of the season. This is one of the young players that has to come through all these guys. Are, are delivering and then you have so much left it's it's it really is Keith this this feeling I had Saturday where I go I gotta watch a little bit of this I gotta watch a little bit of that I watched Nashville Cincinnati last week and it was compelling so you you ha- you feel like in years past you had to tune into two games a weekend maybe now you don't want to miss maybe what Miami is doing maybe you don't want to miss the Galaxy LAFC the list goes on because of these players. Toronto might be making a huge signing. This reports of Jefferson yeah. Soteldo, who's a top 10 player in South America, in my estimations. These are things, these are players you have to watch on a regular basis. You won't have enough time. But I really felt like the league hit the ground running. And I know for a fact that they gained some fans the last two weeks. Whatever it is, maybe 10, maybe a hundred, maybe a five thousand. But those are those are important details because that's a paying customer. Yeah, agreed. I, I think what we're seeing is we had so many teams at once initially, and it was like, it seemed like a few people trying to do the job for every team. So we didn't have specialized um, clubs. And now all of a sudden you're seeing Austin coming in. Well, we have our statisticians. Here's the players we're going to go for. We've identified our coach. Um, you see Atlanta, how they hit the ground running. It, there's just so much more groundwork being put into who, who's going to be coaching, who, who are we going to sign, how are we going to develop young players. It, it's all adding up. We're all of a sudden, you know, this weekend, Josh Atencio playing for the Sounders, you know, LAFC, one of the youngest squads in the league, you know, LA Galaxy having Saldana on the field, Efrain Alvarez coming on. There, there's every kind of storyline covered now. It's not just 
let's be honest, at first it was, it was a bit of an aging DP league. Now it's Ezekiel Barco. I talk to agents in Europe and they go, how's Barco playing? You know, that <laughs> thing. So it's, people are watching the league and, and that's exciting for me. And yeah, there's, there's so many teams. I was the same. I was fried after our game and you come home and I'm like, I got to catch up on all of these games. And yeah. it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to be an electric season. And, you know, people can say whatever they want. You know, are, are we salespeople for the league? Yeah, because we work for it. But I genuinely am excited to watch MLS games every week. And, and, uh, and, and a lot of it's down to the, the, the work that the clubs are doing to bring in good players, build fan bases, connect with their fans. It's been really, really good. I was really impressed because it's not just one or two clubs or three. It's a lot. The bottom clubs, for lack of a better word, are raising the bar from that level because they don't want to be set adrift. And the new clubs have to come in with the vision. As you said, Austin, they got their first win, their first goal over the weekend. That was tremendous to see the the growth details. I, I did the same thing. I left the stadium and then I looked at my phone. And I'm like, look what I missed in three hours. I sat down to eat. And I go, I can't even eat. I got to watch these games or I'm going to miss it. And I don't want to miss anything, which is a bad way to approach the weekends. And it'll probably really put a burden on my family life. But that's neither here nor there. We push on. The young players. We had the guys like Brian Reynolds, Brendan Aronson. We see them for a hot minute. Then they're off in Europe. Now, Gianluca Busio, who's 18, scored a goal. And this was happening after several reports of some Italian clubs were interested in him. Cade Cowell. Have you seen this guy at the Earthquakes? He's 17. Cade's electric. Cade, like Dude, he's got, he looks like he's 30 years old. His build, he looks like a, a bodybuilder. And he's 17. You know, these Twitter people who are like, oh, like you, you get wrapped up in the athletic uh, athleticism of, you know, the play. it's about technique. I'm like, the kid is an athlete as well. You could see that at 16. You're like, he's got great balance. He's, he's, he's good on the ball, but he is physically developed as a 17-year-old. It's, it's, it's crazy. And there was moments last year where I said, this kid's going to break out. And then obviously this weekend, he plays a big part for San Jose. Yeah, he's going to be big. Noble Okello is a player that, um, and uh, Pariso, Ralph Pariso for Toronto, two teenagers that played in CCL against Leon, where they won. This is this is great for this league. I mean, you want to you want to see this, and I, I hate I hate the the people saying we don't want to be a selling league. Every league is a selling league. I mean, the Premier League is a selling league to uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona at times. If these young players are doing a good job and we sell them on, the next phase of young players comes through and it all is good for the U.S. men's national team as well and, and the Canadian national team who I think are going to get really, really good. good point. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be fun to watch them develop. And, you know, Barco coming in from abroad is great, but I love the homegrown guys as well. The replenishing of the homegrown players, and you got to give credit to the league because they are now responsible for developing them, and they're knocking it out of the park. Because you're right, we feel bad when they sell these players, but this new crop of guys come in, and there's going to be another crop after that. This thing is churning. I would one thing I forgot to mention is the managers. You yeah. look at these accomplished managers, not just the best. Uh, Greg Vanny. I mean, we're talking about Chicharito. That has got Greg Vanny written all over it. What he's doing yeah. at the LA Galaxy, but Matias Almeida, obviously. Uh, Gabriel Heinze, these Argentine coaches want to come here. I'm going to talk about this on my YouTube show. Like Jose Mourinho, and I don't know if he's a great addition, but he has to be thinking Major League Soccer. And some of these big managers in Europe have to be thinking it because it makes sense and they, they, can, say, they can have control. With Jose, Jose wants the biggest stage, right? Jose, that, that's the big stage is gone for him, though. 
Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I tend to think that there may be one, one last hurrah at an Italian club because they, they, he's highly regarded there. But yes. I, I, when I look at hindsight, you saw his energy this weekend on the sideline. He lived every minute. Almeida is that, that coach. He's, he's so passionate. I think Mourinho, I, I don't see Mourinho enjoying the game as much. I don't see him enjoying your players develop as much. And that, that's, he wants the end product. So that's, that's what's the issue there. Um, it would be box office because it's Mourinho, but I don't think it would be, uh, it would be an Oscar-worthy uh, <laughs> performance. By like I just want to... I brought us back around. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> hey, I was watching the Oscars, and I got I to gotta say something. I'm, I'm, when these people come up and say, I didn't prepare a speech because I didn't think I was going to win is absolute, as they say, across the pond, bollocks. Yeah. And then they go on a 20-minute speech. So prepare a speech, <laughs> even if you think you're not going to win, and tighten it up. It's okay. devastating when you don't win, and you're like, go to the bathroom, <laughs> and you're like, what is that you're flushing? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you laminate that, and you hang it on the wall, and you go, yeah, I was nominated for an Oscar, and I didn't win. There's my speech. And people go, oh, my God, this should be in a museum. And then, you know, you ha- I would I would do that. I'd frame it. It's uh, I lost my train. Oh, I'd love Mourinho here just to have him and hear him. And I think that's worth it. Although I don't think results wise. Have, have, have you ever interviewed him? I did. What a delightful man. <laughs> <laughs> he, must he was have, great. We must have interviewed him on different days. Well, I interviewed him and he never answered any of my questions. He just turned it and I was like, yeah, OK. And he goes. He was at it was at UCLA when they were training oh, here. Yeah, the, I remember he would go. He goes, ah, oh, I love training here. I love it. He loves UCLA. He loved that little that little field they have there. So when when uh, his clubs were training, at this time it was Manchester United. We're, he goes, we're going to UCLA. Yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. spot. <laughs> so uh, I would like that. But um, the managers are also a big part, and there's sporting directors like they have at Philadelphia and these other and other clubs. And there's like a there's a real relationship between these guys that it's working. So, very excited about that. I want to talk about one incident that happened. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna mention? Uh, oh, David yeah, Ochoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they win, and David Ochoa was the the goalkeeper of our Olympic effort, which failed. By the way, uh, if we had made the Olympics, the <laughs> If we got Honduras's group, I looked at their group. It's crazy. They're probably going to go to the quarterfinals. Uh, well, we say that. We say that. We always. I. I every no, time this I, time I, I mean it. No, because you're like, oh, Romania. Well, we beat them, and then you're like, we don't even know who's on the Romania Olympic team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I do it all the time. I do it all the time. I would say that about Romania. I go, wait a minute. There's very few European spots, so Romania's got to be pretty good to have made it because the other yeah, teams are exactly. Germany. Uh, who else? Well, the, the top teams, the top yeah, teams yeah. in Europe all made it. And then Romania. So yeah. you, you make a fair point. So he was part of that effort. Young goalkeeper, maybe our future goalkeeper in 2026, 2030. I like him a lot. But then after the game, he hits the ball into the end of the, the Wonder Wall end at Minnesota. Big win for Real Salt Lake. The there. The commentary was very upset with him. I think I would have probably said the same thing at the time. Players yeah. come over and push him around. And it just it went from there. And they got Ochoa. First of all, it's got to be mature. I think Ochoa's 20. So he's young. We made a real big deal out of this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't think anyone got hurt. Everyone's going to see that ball coming in. Should he do it? No. 
But I can give him a, I, I, I kind of like the fact that they rile him up. And now next time Real Salt Lake comes to Minnesota, maybe we have something. The other thing, I know this is going to be a very unpopular opinion. I'm getting really tired of the pushing and the, the tough guy stuff. Don't do that. I'm just, <laughs> if you're going to do that, why don't you just come over and, and punch him in the stomach, <laughs> get your red card, and then lesson learned, and you'll be a legend at Minnesota. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to be suspended. I don't want you to get into a fight or anything, but maybe just give him a little a, a Charlie horse or something, just to say, hey, don't do that because we're gonna we're gonna levy we're gonna levy a fine if you know what I mean. Because that whole little thing afterwards, I'm like, I don't need it. If you're gonna do it, or or at least this is maybe you could do this: grab him and say, I want you to turn around and apologize to those fans right now. I think I think it was like a, a Mourinho moment for Adrian Heath because it, it allowed him to forget the fact that his team just lost. <laughs> And he they just focused, like, it, all the focus was on this. And, yeah, for me, I don't know what the fans were saying to Ochoa. You mentioned the Olympic, um, the, the not qualifying. He made a mistake. Were they giving him abuse? Did he snap? All those kind of things. Should he have done it? No. Is it a big deal long-term? No. But I actually thought Adrian, he showed a real lack of class. And, well, he's not very good. Okay, Adrian, great. Like, how long have you been in the game? Like, he's 20. Just move on. Just be like... He showed a lack of class. I hope he learns from it, but that's not something you do. So for me, that was like, yeah, just just one of those instances that you have to say, um, lesson learned, we move on. But I, I didn't like the way Adrian Heath handled it. Um, but Ochoa, uh, yeah, you can't keep doing that. You can't get a, a reputation for that because all you're going to do is bring more pressure on yourself as a player from fan bases moving forward. But, I, you know, it's 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 nothing for me, really. It's It's, you know, the players reacting all of that great. All of it's done. I thought I thought Freddie Waters did a really good job afterwards, you know, saying, yeah, whatever. We can all yeah, it. it is. It's a whatever moment. But yeah, yeah, I like it. I like feathers being ruffled. And it was a nice little little final touch on what was a great weekend in Major League Soccer. <laughs> Keith, I've taken too much time. I know you have your DVR of the Oscars. You want to see who won Best Supporting Actor and Best uh, Makeup and Sound Editing. And so I know I'll have to let you go to I that. But uh, Anyway, but thank oh, you. Uh, one movie I did watch, Another Round from Denmark. Have you seen it? No. Watch it. You'll love it. It's about these four friends who are, are trying to put something different. They're, they're all teachers at a school, and they're trying to figure out something different to give a little spark in their lives. So they all start drinking certain amounts each day and different alcoholic beverages to see how it changes, and it's, it's hilarious. And there's, a, it's a, there's a learning lesson there, but if you, if you like to drink, which I think that's you, right? <laughs> And you like hanging out with the boys, the camaraderie, you'll get a kick out of it. So another round. It's a Danish. It's a Danish movie. Okay, good. Everyone else who listens, check out another round as I I get to recommend Sound of Metal on Amazon was also very good. But that's it. Yes. It was a story you didn't think would be shared. And I'm glad I got to see it. I love those things, right? You go when you don't know what something's about and go, wow, that was cool. But you get back to Keith. Love you, man. First class, thank you for making my podcast better every time you're on it. And I, I will I will do this again. I will and I'll keep bugging you because you're just uh, too good. Appreciate it, brother. Have a good uh, have a good rest of your week, man. Keith Costigan, the voice of the Sounders, also the voice at Fox Soccer, uh, bringing Liga Mex and many other stuff, many other properties your way. We're gonna let Keith go and see his Oscars coming up. It's stoppage time. I'm gonna tell you why the Super League is not dead yet. This is the Soccer OG. Subscribe. Take a listen.
Time now for stoppage time here on the Soccer OG. I would like to talk about something else. I'm sure everyone has had their fill of the Super League, but I figured it would be insincere if I didn't touch base on here, especially how I presented it last week. Uh, I was full bore ahead. I really didn't think it was going to hit a snag, but the fans, as we talked with Keith moments ago, stepped up in a big way and delivered, uh, changing the stem, changing the path of this competition. However, and I haven't heard a lot of people say this, I don't think this is dead. There are too many parties involved, maybe in its uh, most recent uh, version, Remember, I mean, they've been talking about a Super League since the 1960s. And they they almost got it across the line this time. Uh, I mean, they had everything set in stone and everyone felt hoodwinked. Fans came out, people protested, and they got their way. With regards to that, I just, I'm not buying that the owners and everyone around them and the club presidents were caught off guard by the the passion of these fans. They are aware. They have to be. I just don't view these owners and presidents as stupid people. I think that would be uh, that would be folly if we go, these guys don't know. They do know. And if they don't know, they surround themselves with people that do and lawyers and accountants and football experts. Uh, they know there's collateral damage and they're going to upset the fans. They knew that was part of that. There's no way they would have had the Super League and said, oh, well, it's okay. Oh, well, the fans really don't like it. I'm not buying that. I will start off with why I think this still has legs. And Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus are still, have not withdrawn. The English teams withdrew. The German teams and the French teams did not get on board. And now they are looked like in the court of public opinion as these saviors. And I want to say something really about Bayern Munich and PSG. These, they're not, they're not the Robin Hood here. You know, they're they're on level with these other big clubs. I mean, PSG, Bayern Munich is a juggernaut. They they buy players from everyone else in the Bundesliga to make their team stronger. And that is part of the reason we need something like the Super League, because the domestic campaigns continue to be one-sided. That said, Juventus, after eight straight titles, isn't going to win in Serie A. But you still have to figure they're going to be the favorites every year. Bayern is running away again, although it's a little more competitive. They're going to win a ninth straight Bundesliga shield. Uh, in England, it's the same teams that generally win it. I think Manchester United, Chelsea, and Manchester City have won 15 of 17 Premier League titles. France is competitive this year, but it's usually a PSG whitewash. It's like that. The same teams are going to win it every time. So when, when Bayern and PSG say they're above it, they're not really. Because they're part, they're part of the problem. There is no uh, parachute payments down here or solidarity payments to these other teams because there's no competition in those leagues, by and large. So Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Juventus are still in it. And they're kind of trying to go against the Champions League. The Champions League uh, has been strong-armed. The head of UEFA is suggesting he is going to levy some punishments against these teams. Uh, I don't know how he's going to do that. I'll get to that in a moment. But just as a basis for the Super League, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, without those three teams, if UEFA wants to play hardball, without those three teams, there is no Champions League. You have to have those three teams. 
They are they represent three of the, the most successful teams and most recent winners, certainly in the case of Real Madrid. Juventus have been right there in a couple competitions. There is no Champions League without them. It is the haves and the have-nots. Um, Aston Villa chief executive Christian Perslow was asked when he was told, I said, hey, do you think these clubs should be thrown out of the Premier League? And he goes, in theory, they could, but no one wants to perform an act of self-harm. You know what? The Premier League needs those teams or it's it's a dead duck. So these clubs are in a powerful position. Now, are they in huge debt? Yes. Did the, the creation of the Super League, they showed their cards. In the case of Real Madrid and Barcelona, you saw how much in debt they were. And that's why they're looking for a new plan. Um, people want people want heads to roll. And from the fans to UEFA to FIFA, they're upset. And yeah, they should be. But these clubs are still in a place of power. Uh, they're talking about a salary cap in the leagues. Financial fair play doesn't work. These big 12 clubs have the power. They have the stadiums. They have the brands. They have the players. Uh, they want to spread the wealth, but as a fan, I want to I, I, I watch good teams. I get excited for Real Madrid playing Liverpool, not so much when Valencia plays Porto. It's that simple. I want to see these great teams play. If you spread the wealth, that, that, that it could take it, but these teams are so entrenched with success, that's not happening. They have a global audience. They have people that are engaged with them all over, and that revenue stream will continue. Uh, the European Super League, there's no doubt, would give us better games. The Champions League, which has now expanded to 36 teams, it's the so-called Swiss model. There's Instead of a straight-up tournament, there's coefficients. That's going to start in 2024. Four extra match days, eating up more dates to congest the domestic schedule. Ilkay Gundogan mentioned more and more games. Is no one thinking about us players? I don't think anyone's thinking about the players. We don't know the fixture list because... We know it's going to be 32 group stage to 36. So that's going to throw it off. Clubs are Some clubs are going to get into the tournament because of past performances, which was a criticism of the Super League. Uh, European football overall is in really bad shape. What Florentino Perez, as much as you think he's a crazy man, he wasn't lying. Uh, what he was saying was true. Domestic leagues are uncompetitive, as I pointed out. And that's not going away. But the status quo of the leagues can't be sustained. In the world, what's, where don't you want to see the top sport teams play? The Super League mentioned solidarity payments. And I think a lot of people said there's no way they're going to do it. But maybe they are. If they have the finances to do it, maybe they will. By the way, I also want to touch on PSG trying to be the good guy in the, uh, the greed form. This is a club with the two highest transfers in the history of the game. Neymar for $250 million, Kylian Mbappe for about $160 million. So here we are in, in this dilemma. I think the Super League is going to come back in a little bit different format. There's probably going to be some concessions along the way, but it's going to happen because of those big three. So if anyone's putting their guard down and worried about, oh boy, where do we go from here? Um, I got some bad news for you. I wish it was different. I really do. I wish it was different and we could go forward and um, 
and and play the way. I mean, this is what I fell in love with with the sport, the checks and balances, the relegation, the promotion, the qualification for the Champions League. But just to revisit the popularity of these teams, the big six in the Premier League, the six that would have broken off, generate $1.2 billion in total sponsorships, uh, a huge amount of commercial revenue. That is, the sponsorship, by the way, is 81% of total sponsors in the league. They have the power. As much as you talk about greed, these are the teams we want to watch. I think one thing, if they're going to come back to the table and they're going to offer a different option. It, it, it can't be the closed shop model where they have addressed, which is more like the American uh, model that they follow, uh, where these teams automatically qualify for the, the Super League. They're going to have to have some wiggle room there. How that looks, I have no idea. That's going to be very tricky because they want the closed shop model. And I think the closed shop model can work. And as I talked with Keith, the anti-American thing, maybe they had the wrong American owners there and they haven't done a great job. But, you know, the American system ha has its positives, a lot of them. They have some negatives, but they have some positives. And they should be embraced a little bit. It's going to be funny, man. And it's going to be crazy because this shall continue. But I want to enjoy the games here, so I won't talk about it next week. And I will join you then here on the Soccer OG. A reminder to please rate, review, and subscribe. And I'll talk to you then. Until then, Placido Domingo. Domingo.